Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. Today's connection is all about the gut. So the digestive tract has really gained a lot of popularity in functional medicine over the last several years, and for really good reasons. Our gut is the gateway to our health. It uh, is where our immune system is housed. About 75 to 80% or more of our immune system is found in the gut. It's where we absorb our nutrients. So all of the good macro and micronutrients we consume from our food is absorbed through our digestive tract. Our digestive tract also helps with detoxification. So the liver works really hard to process and break down toxins and dumps it into our gut to be eliminated through our stool. So it plays a role with detoxification, our immune system, our nutritional status, but it also plays a role with our mood and our mental health. And one of the reasons for that is about 90% of our serotonin, which is our happy neurotransmitter, is made in the gut. So not only does it help with our absorption of nutrients and our detoxification, but it actually helps with our mood and our mental cognition. So the gut really is the gateway to our health, and it is uh, one of the first places that I talk with my patients about when I meet with them at Stat Wellness. And in order for me to identify some risk factors or maybe some triggers for uh, gut dysfunction, I really go all the way back to the beginning when I meet with my patients. So when I meet with my patients, uh, one of the first things I ask them as we're going through their health timeline is about their birth. I want to know about their their mom's health while they were pregnant. I want to know if they were evaluated delivery or a C-section because knowledge is power. And we know now through some research that C-section babies are not born with as robust of a gut microbiome as babies that are born through the vaginal canal because they get all the bacteria from the mom's vaginal canal in their eyes, their ears, their nose, their skin. So that is a, a key component of your story. And I always say that it's a correlation, not a causation. And just because you're a C-section baby doesn't mean that you're going to have worse health outcomes than being a vaginal delivery. But maybe if you're somebody that struggles with eczema or if you struggle with brain fog, ADD, ADHD, bloating, indigestion, we might want to think about your gut microbiome if you were a C-section baby. Then we also want to know if you were breastfed or not. Uh, We know that when you're breastfed, you get some of that bacteria from the mom's skin and in the breast milk. So that's another place we look. We also know that antibiotics at a young age specifically can really negatively impact our gut microbiome. So did you have chronic ear infections or chronic strep throat? So maybe you were a C-section, you weren't breastfed, and you had chronic ear infections requiring antibiotics. That is going to impact your gut health. And so those are things that we want to take into account when we think about treatment plans or maybe some specialty testing that's needed. So we really like to go all the way back to the beginning. And then I also like to assess what um, bowels look like. And I know that's a, a 
kind of awkward conversation for some people when I start talking to them about, well, what do your bowel movements look like? How long does it take for you to go to the bathroom? But all of those things are really important. And I know when I went to school, they told me, um, really assess what your patient's normal is. If they normally go to the bathroom every third day, that is okay. That is their normal bowel habits. And really, when you think about how important the gut is and how important daily bowel movements are, going every third day may be your normal, but it's not optimal. And so one of the things I assess is, are you having a bowel movement every day? And we look at the Bristol stool chart and we're like, are you a type four? Is it a nice snake-like bowel movement? Or are you having diarrhea or constipation? Is it take you an hour to use the bathroom? Do you only go to the bathroom after you drink 16 ounces of water and have hot lemon water and apple cider vinegar and all these things to kind of help you go to the bathroom? Those are all important components. So I want to know about your birth. I want to know about your antibiotic use. I want to know about your normal bowel movements. And then we kind of assess what symptoms do you have. A lot of people, I feel like, kind of normalize having heartburn or reflux, feeling bloated after eating certain foods, having bad gas, you know, all of these things that they are common, but it doesn't mean it's normal or optimal. And so we really strive to get your gut as healthy as possible. So some of the things that we see in functional medicine when it comes to gut dysfunction, um, symptom-wise, we see anything from irritable bowel syndrome, which is basically a functional gastrointestinal disorder. So colonoscopy, endoscopy, testing, they can't really figure out anything that is, in quotes, wrong with your gut, but you have diarrhea, constipation, bloating, all of these different symptoms. So they say you have irritable bowel syndrome. There's also inflammatory bowel disease. That's, of course, much more serious. That's things like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, where on a colonoscopy, they would see a lot of inflammation in your gut lining, which, of course, impacts your overall health and wellness and absorption of nutrients. Um, Sometimes you're not labeled with a diagnosis and you just have heartburn or bloating, constipation, diarrhea, um, flatulence, or gas. All of those things are common symptoms that we hear. About 25% of people in America have at least one digestive symptom. It's one of the most commonly reported symptoms when you go to your primary care provider. So gut health is very, very important, and it's very common. And it's not surprising when you think of your digestive tract, how many things could, in theory, go wrong with your gut health. It's not surprising that so many people have uh, digestive symptoms. So Going through kind of how the gut works and what that process looks like is digestion really starts in our mouth. So as we chew our food, we're starting digestion. We're secreting digestive enzymes to start breaking down specifically carbohydrates as we chew. When we swallow, that food goes into our stomach, which is the most acidic part of our digestive tract, and it starts churning the food and really starts breaking down protein. So if we have too low or too high of stomach acid, it can cause issues. Too low of stomach acid is is commonly seen in people with reflux, which I know sounds counterintuitive because you're like, oh, I have heartburn. I have to have too much acid. And so you go on acid blockers, proton pump inhibitors, but a lot of people with digestive issues actually have low stomach acid. And um, that can happen for a number of reasons, but when our acid gets low, it can impact the way we churn, break down our food, and get it into smaller particles by the time it reaches your small intestines. So stomach acidic, it's churning. It's really where we start to break down a lot of our protein. Then our food makes it to the small intestines. In the small intestines, our pancreas starts to help out. Um, and the pancreas has an 
endocrine and exocrine system. The exocrine system is the one that's important when we talk about gut health. That is where we are uh, secreting amylase, lipase, protease, some of these digestive enzymes to help us start breaking down that food further. And then we have what's called villi. They're little fingers that come out of our uh, small intestines that pulls in nutrients. And the crazy thing to me is your small intestines, depending on the person, is about 20 feet long. And that is curled up in your digestive tract. And food is slowly moving its way through your small intestines as your villi is pulling in nutrients. The small intestines does not love a lot of bacteria. So if we start getting too much bacteria or we start having motility issues, we can be diagnosed with what is called small intestines bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. And SIBO symptoms range from heartburn, reflux, to bloating, indigestion, abdominal pain. But all of those symptoms can be related to too much bacteria colonizing in that small intestines and having some motility issues so things are not moving through us the way it should. Then the food makes it to the large intestines, and the large intestines is only about five feet, five to six feet, depending on the person, and that is where the majority of our bacteria, yeast, fungi sits. That is where, when we call it your gut microbiome, that is what we're referring to is all of the organisms in your large intestines that makes up the most complex ecosystem in the world. So this gut microbiome really influences our health. And so that is where fermentation takes place. The large intestines is where it likes all that bacteria. So when you take probiotics, you have to make sure it's a good quality probiotic that's not going to get broken down by your stomach acid and actually make it to the large intestines to do its job. Um, And then, of course, when we're talking about digestion, we're also talking about your liver and the way that it's breaking down toxins, dumping it into your intestines and eliminating it through your stool. So your gut is very, very complex. And we talked about some of the symptoms, but some of the um, kind of root causes, of course, with functional medicine, we're always looking at the root cause. Some of the root causes that we see, they vary from food sensitivities, food allergies, uh, leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability, dysbiosis or an imbalance of good and bad bacteria, SIBO, which I mentioned before. Those are some of the common ones. Candida overgrowth is also a big issue that we see. And so I wanted to break those down just a little bit and then talk about a few things that you guys can take away from today's podcast and hopefully implement into your life to get a healthier gut uh, starting today. So first thing, food sensitivities, food allergies, these are different. Food sensitivities are a delayed immune response. So you do not notice the impact of the food right away. So it's very hard for you to identify what you're sensitive to. Where food allergies is an IgE response, and that's an immediate immune response. So I always use the example of an almond. If you have a sensitivity to an almond, you're not going to notice anything when you eat that almond right away. If you have an allergy to that almond, you are going to notice that you're feeling your throat's feeling a little itchy. You're needing to clear your uh, throat. Your lips might start to swell. You may break out into hives. Um, your eyes might itch, depending on how severe your allergy is. It could turn into an anaphylactic reaction. So allergies are immediate. And people across the board believe in allergies because they can be life-threatening depending on the severity, where food sensitivities are a little bit more controversial because they're a delayed immune response. So almonds is a perfect example because a lot of people in the health and wellness space consume a lot of almonds throughout the day. They have almond butter, almond flour, almond milk instead of doing cow's milk. Um, They're, you know, having almond in their granola, in their gluten-free baked goods. And so before they know it, 
they've been exposed to almonds 18, 19 times in one day. And if that's a sensitivity, that cumulative effect is going to cause a lot of inflammation. And so food sensitivities can be presented in any way from ADD, ADHD, eczema, skin rashes, keratosis pilaris, which is the chicken skin on the back of your arms, hair loss, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, chronic fatigue. So if you're having vague symptoms, it may not seem like it's got related, but it really could be. And that's why getting a good timeline is so important. So we actually test for food sensitivities through the blood. It's super easy. It's two tubes of blood, or we can even do a capillary test, which is like a finger prick at home to determine what you're sensitive to. Once we find out what you're sensitive to, we cut it out for six weeks. We really work on getting your gut healthier, getting your immune system stronger, and then we slowly start to do a reintroduction. So food sensitivities and food allergies are really important, and they can be a potential root cause of digestive issues. The other thing, dysbiosis, that imbalance of good and bad bacteria, we see this a lot in the United States. And one of the biggest reasons we see it is the amount of antibiotics we've been on, kind of wiping out the good and the bad bacteria in our gut. But we also tend to have a lower fiber diet. So the standard American diet or the SAD diet is much more processed. It lacks whole food. And the standard American diet, really people could get maybe 10, 15 grams of fiber. And fiber is a prebiotic. So it feeds the good bacteria in our gut. So one of the best ways to change your gut microbiome is by eating a good whole foods diet with lots of fiber to feed that good bacteria. So our diet plays a big role with that. The antibiotics we've been on play a big role with that. And when you have dysbiosis, it's it's hard to diagnose that, but we do comprehensive stool testing to look at not only the good bacteria, but to also look at the bad bacteria. So a lot of stool tests, if you go to a gastroenterologist, they're looking more for pathogenic organisms. So they may do a stool culture to rule out parasites or rule out Giardia or Salmonella or some of those pathogenic organisms. But what we really want to do is look at potentially pathogenic organisms and make sure you have enough good. So we're looking at lactobacillus and bifidobacterum species. Those are really beneficial bacteria to make sure you have them naturally colonized in your gut lining and that you don't have too much additional bacteria like the protease or the clebacella uh, because there's more and more research coming out that this dysbiosis can be a trigger for autoimmune. There's some research on certain gut microbiome um, or gut organisms and rheumatoid arthritis. So we want to make sure that that good bacteria is dominant. And I kind of describe it as a seesaw. Everybody is going to have some additional bacteria in their gut. We're not all lactobacillus, bifidobacterum, saccharomyces, boulardia um, strands in our gut. So we're all going to have some of that additional bacteria. But if you think of a seesaw, you want the bottom, the person that's sitting against the ground, you want that to be the additional bacteria, the candidas, um, some of that kind of uh, potentially bad bacteria. You want it nice and low. And you want the one that's up high in the air on that seesaw, you want that to be all your good bacteria, the lactobacillus and the bifidobacterum. So that balance is key as we're looking at the gut microbiome. And really the best way for us to analyze that is through a comprehensive stool analysis and really be able to take a deeper dive and see what's going on. Um, We also look at markers for leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability. Leaky gut is the slang term where increased intestinal permeability is really what you can research on PubMed. It's a, a really true condition where the lining of our digestive tract kind of thins out and becomes inflamed. So food particles, bacteria, things like that starts to seep through, and it triggers an immune and inflammatory response within our body. 
So this increase in intestinal permeability is seen with different autoimmune diseases, um, ADD, ADHD. So making sure that we don't have an inflamed, weakened gut is really important. And we get some ideas of what's going on with that leaky gut through um, stool analysis, but we can also do a blood test to look at a marker called zonulin. And that's how we can really diagnose this increased intestinal permeability. We also look for SIBO or small intestines bacterial overgrowth, and we test that with um, a breath test. So you drink a solution and you blow in a tube, and we look to see how much bacteria is growing in that small intestines, and maybe that is something that's contributing to your bloating, your heartburn, and some of those other symptoms. And outside of those conditions, and candida overgrowth was the last one I wanted to mention, and candida overgrowth is really common in America too because of our antibiotic use, but also because of our high high sugar diet. Sugar, um, even more healthy sugars, but too much sugar feeds the bad bacteria or bad yeast called candida albicans, not bacteria yeast. Um, really it feeds both, but for the purpose of the candida overgrowth, the sugar we eat really feeds that yeast and it can start to overgrow. And that can present in symptoms like rosacea, um, sugar craving, brain fog, bloating, constipation or diarrhea, um, rashes in your armpits, under your arms, uh, rectal itchiness, ear itchiness, vaginal itchiness, all of that can be associated with candida overgrowth or yeast overgrowth. So we try to figure out through getting your good timeline, maybe some variables that are playing a role so we can get a better idea. Is it maybe a food sensitivity? Is it dysbiosis? Is it SIBO? And we help kind of identify that based on your your whole timeline. And that's why our visits are an hour long at Stat Wellness because we can't possibly diagnose you or know what the root cause is in a five-minute visit. So once we get a really good timeline, we help you identify maybe what testing is important, or maybe we just put you on a protocol and see how you do. Uh, But we really want to figure out what is causing your digestive issues and how can we heal that? So hopefully you don't have to be on medication for reflux the rest of your life because we know PPIs or proton pump inhibitors, long-term use causes nutritional deficiencies because it decreases your stomach acid. So it can decrease calcium and magnesium. It can impact your bone density, all sorts of things. So we don't want you to stay on these medications long-term. So when we treat digestive issues from functional medicine lenses, we're trying to uncover the root cause and heal that to hopefully get you off the medications in the long term. So we really want to identify where your current gut health is, get a good timeline, maybe figure out some specialty testing that we need to do. But it's important to get down to kind of what I call the low-hanging fruit. And when I talk to my patients about their lifestyle, if they're not doing certain things, it's important to implement some changes, get your gut healthy before we do expensive comprehensive stool testing or any of that. We need to ask ourselves, like, are we really doing what we need to do for a healthy gut? So my quick tips as we're talking about your gut, my microbiome and your gut health overall are a few things. One, I mentioned this already, make sure that you're eating fiber. So if you're on a ketogenic diet, if you're on a carnivore diet, you know, some of those things that don't have a lot of good quality veggies, fruits, lentils, beans, chia seeds, ground flaxseed, it's important to add a fiber supplement because we really do need about 25 to 30 grams of fiber to really feed that good bacteria and help with digestive health. So make sure you're getting enough fiber. That is my number one. 
We also want to make sure we're drinking enough water. If you are sitting here listening to this and you feel thirsty, chances are you're already dehydrated. It's important to drink water before we're thirsty. Really simple rule of thumb that you might have heard is that you want to drink about half your body weight in ounces. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you really want at least 75 ounces of water per day. If you're working out hard and sweating, you really need to up that. But having enough water really helps um, with bowel motility. It really helps with bowel movement to make sure that we're eliminating all those toxins. So we need a lot of fiber and with fiber, we need a lot of water. Those go hand in hand. The other thing is it's really important to balance our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous system. So if we are waking up and we have this bear chasing after us and we're in this sympathetic nervous state all day long, we're not getting into that parasympathetic state, which is where we rest and digest. So chronic stress can impact motility. So it's really important to implement deep breathing exercises, prioritize our sleep, add meditation, make sure that when we go to eat, that we sit down, we're really present. We let our cortisol levels come down, we eat our meal, and we really chew thoroughly because that's going to help us get into that parasympathetic, into that rest and digest so we don't have digestive issues. So fiber, water, parasympathetic, sympathetic balance, so making sure we're incorporating some of the stress-reducing techniques. I think the other important thing, depending on the person and what's going on with your gut microbiome, is getting some probiotics from food. So doing things, if you don't have issues with dairy, doing like a full-fat Greek yogurt, um, incorporating some kefir, uh, doing some kombucha or some cultured vegetables like sauerkraut, maybe adding in some diluted apple cider vinegar to help with digestion. But we really want to up those fermented foods to really help with our gut microbiome. So the fiber that we already talked about is going to help feed those probiotics that we're getting from food. So really important that we're doing those things. I also think it's important to kind of take an exam examination of how much sugar you may be eating in a day. Sugar feeds the bad bacteria and yeast, as we talked about. Um, but sugar is really highly addictive, and it's hidden in a lot of things that we don't don't realize. So I have my patients. I'm not a big one to track all the calories and macronutrients. I really want us to intuitively eat, focus on whole nutritious foods, but I think it's important to kind of get a gauge of how much sugar are you consuming in a day? So I really want my patients to consume less than 20 grams of sugar. And part of the way to do that is to read food labels. So I'm not talking about the sugars in blueberries or sweet potatoes. I'm talking about the sugar in your salad dressing, the sugar in your protein bar, um, the sugar in the baked good that you grab, that muffin in the morning. So reading food labels and keeping total sugar under 20 grams, that added sugar, is really helpful for our gut health. So before you start digging into some of these comprehensive tests, make sure from a dietary standpoint, you're following some of these recommendations. You're eating enough fiber, you're drinking enough water, you're managing your stress, and you're keeping sugar really low. If you are still dealing with digestive issues, there's a few things that you can look at trying with your diet. Maybe you go on a Whole30 plan which cuts out some of the common food sensitivities. So maybe you cut out things like gluten, dairy, sugar, uh, soy, some of those common things that can be sensitivities. Cut it out for 30 days. I usually recommend at least six weeks and see if you feel better. Uh, If you don't notice that you're feeling better by cutting out some of those common food sensitivities and you're still having bloating and digestive issues, you may want to look at doing a low FODMAP diet. Uh, FODMAPs are something that's really been correlated to irritable bowel syndrome and 
SIBO. So if you're struggling with the symptoms associated with IBS or SIBO and an elimination diet didn't make you feel any better and you're already doing the high fiber and you're already doing lots of water, you're not eating a lot of sugar and you're keeping sugar uh, hydration up, then you may want to look at doing a low FODMAP diet. And I don't know how you pronounce it. I always say the Monash app, but M-O-N-A-S-H. They have a great app that can help you kind of get into a low FODMAP diet. But I think that's really important. And if you're still struggling after trying those things, I really suggest finding a functional medicine provider that you trust to get a good timeline, kind of figure out some potential triggers, figure out what testing is most important to do. Is it a comprehensive stool test? Is it a food sensitivity Is it looking for leaky gut or SIBO? Or maybe really it's just doing a good hormone test because our thyroid level plays a big role with our motility. Our cortisol level, that's our stress hormone, plays a big role with motility. So it's really important to make sure you're doing the basic things you need for gut health, but also make sure you find a functional medicine or a provider in general that you really trust to take a deep dive because your gut is the gateway to your health. It influences your immune system, your mood, your nutritional status, and so much more. So thank you guys for tuning in for the quick and dirty as we talk about the gut connection. As always, send me your questions. What do you want to hear more of? Anybody that you want me to bring on to interview, I am all ears. So make sure to tune in and thank you guys. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.